As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're an open-minded racer with a desire to improve on the track, This Is Bracket Racing Elite can provide the tools to help you do so. In addition, today's podcast is presented in part by Portatree. Portatree is a leading manufacturer of practice trees, simulators, and test tracks with quality products designed for racers by racers. Luke and I depend on Portatree for our own practice. Check them out at www.portatree.com. Use discount code DRAG10 for 10% off of your order. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. This week on What Everyone Is Talking About. What's up, Jed? What do you say, Luke? How you doing? Oh, just trying to stay warm here in the great state of Illinois. Got a little chilly on me. Yeah, so high was in the 40s here in Alabama today. We don't like that. It's not very popular around here. Yeah, I could see that. Decent show on tap, I believe. They're obviously, the racing season is starting to wind down in the parts that there are still races going on. I'd say for the most part, Everything that we care about, Jed, will probably be done after next weekend, after the Thanksgiving races. Uh, we do have some on-track uh, action to dissect and share with you this week. We will also have recently crowned NHRA Pro Eliminator, Summit Super Series World Champion, Nelson 
We had a little we had a little discrepancy here uh, last week, Jed. We're not real sure if it's Nelson Balot or Nelson Below, but we're gonna have Nelson on the show with us, and we'll just ask him how to say his name. So, Nelson, we apologize idea. in advance, but we'll get it right here by the end of the show, and then we'll close things out, Jed, with a little bit of fun. We will have the return of our popular Racer Confidential series. We've put that on the shelf now for over a month because racing season got busy. We're talking world champions and million dollar race and Corey Galetti was busy crashing. We had a lot to talk about. (laughs) We're going to get back to some of the fun stuff. So a couple good racer confidential stories in the mix, but first a familiar segment with a familiar recipient. It's this week's BTE. Who's hot. He's on fire. It's time for who's hot in sportsman drag racing. BTE staff is selected directly from the racing community. From sales to manufacturing, each member of their staff is a performance enthusiast. With multiple world championships and number one qualifiers, they offer expert professional technical advice for your racing operation. See our staff directory. Our commitment to your success is part of our own. Luke, you know, this is the the day and age seemingly with social media of the greatest we've ever seen, whether it's the greatest catch we've ever seen or the, you know, the greatest shortstop we've ever seen. But arguably, this week's BT Who's Hot is the greatest bracket racing, the wrap-up to the greatest bracket racing season by an individual that we've ever seen. This week, a now multiple-time Who's Hot recipient is none other than Skinny Kenny Underwood. Again, this guy is unbelievable. It's nothing short of amazing, Big Jed. And as you alluded to, I don't, I don't want to be guilty of recency bias, but I don't know that we've ever seen what Kenny Underwood has done over the course of the last, really just the last six months. But let's just give it the whole calendar year of 2018. And in all due respect to Kevin Pollard, and Justin Lamb, who have had unbelievable seasons. I don't think anything measures up to what Kenny's done and just keeps doing. Kenny struck again, and, and how? what more fitting way to end this season of dominance than going down to the, the Florida Winter Series, or I don't know if that's the, the terminology for it anymore. It's not what it once was, but it's six consecutive days of racing between Immokalee and, and uh Palm Beach International Raceway. And to date, as we record this, there's still one day to run. But to date, Kenny's won two of those. Won a $10,000 race at Immokalee, race one on Saturday, and then followed that up with a $15,000 triumph on Monday at West Palm. So the beat just keeps rolling, Big Jed. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable what he's accomplished. And these are eight, nine, ten round marathons with a heavyweight in the other lane the large majority of the time i mean it's it's doing it in very difficult competition on big stages where you've got the finest drivers the finest equipment the biggest purses and he just continues to get it done it's it's really you know you you're not surprised because we all know how talented Kenny is, but you have to be surprised somewhat because the odds are just against you in these big money bracket races where you're subject to pull up beside that five, six, seven, eight package any time you pull in the lanes. And I wouldn't say he always avoids them. 
he probably gets some of those here and there, but I think he gets by some of them here and there too. <laughs> Obviously, just uh, really, truly the most impressive bracket racing performance that I can remember seeing over a, a span of a season. Yeah, it's incredible. In an age of parity in what we do specifically in the top ball classes, everybody is so tough and the margin for error is so slim that you just don't see domination to this level. And Kenny's done it the better part of the season. And then specifically in Florida, and those races have always been, and again, it's a little bit different now than it was a decade ago, but they had a $15,000 to win race at West Palm on a Monday. So you can just imagine <laughs> the level of riffraff in the staging lanes there, slim. You know, I mean, there's not many good draws in that field. I don't know what yeah. the car count was like, but if you're showing up in South Florida to race for 15 grand on a Monday and Tuesday, you're pretty serious about racing. And Kenny just yeah. rolled through that field, too. You know, I mean, it, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, and even when it was in its heyday, he was winning back then, too. So this he has guy, always not only, owned that place. That's yeah. a good point. He is probably one of, if not the most, what's the word that I'm looking for, Jed? Most accomplished uh, decorated Moroso 5-day champion, for sure. Up there with Scotty and, and Peter Biondo and a handful of others. But Kenny has always done well at that facility in that race. Yeah, whether it was a long track, short track, whatever, this guy's done it over multiple decades. But this is not about those times. This is about what he's accomplished in 2018 and, and most recently done here to get him another BTE Who's Hot Award. So congratulations, Kenny, not only on this one, all the accomplishments that he's had this year. Truly phenomenal, phenomenal season and, you know, just a really good guy and hard charger. Very deserving. Let's try our best because I don't have it in front of me. But for, for those of you that may have forgotten to recap the 2018 season of Kenny Underwood, obviously he won the million dollar race. That's the crowning jewel for anyone. But he won two $50,000 races in the span of six weeks back in the summertime. One at Byron, one at Martin, Michigan, I believe. This is Martin, Michigan or Dragway 42. Don't get me to lie in there. It might have been 42. One of the SFG races up there. And in that same span, won a 20 grander at one of Beard's races at Killcare, won a 10 grander at the Ultimate 64, I believe runnered up a 20 grander at uh, the American Ace race up there at Dragway 42. And I'm probably missing a couple more along the way. And then closes it out with back to back wins at Immokalee and West Palm Beach. You take any small snippet of that, and most of us call it a successful season. You put it all together. As you said before, Jed, I don't think it's an overstatement. It's the most successful, certainly the most lucrative season that I can remember in bracket racing history. Yeah, and I feel like, again, I don't have it in front of me just like you, but I feel like I've seen Kenny's name or talked about him where he's won you know, a couple maybe of these 16 car, 32 car shootouts for 10 grand here, there, and, you know, a warm up race here and there. I mean, the guys just performed at a stupid high level uh, all season long. And again, very deserving of uh, all the accolades that have come his way. So congratulations, Kenny, wrapping up the season in style. Wouldn't surprise me if you happen to get that next $15,000 payday tomorrow to officially end 2018 loop. Kenny was not the only winner at uh, Mockley, uh, nor uh, West Palm. So we'll do a quick rundown of those guys as well. 
give uh, some people a little recognition for a good performance there at Immokalee. This was the 2018 winter warm-up, and it was won by young, uh, on Friday, young Cameron Fredrickson got the win in John Siegel's Dragster. Cameron, a very, very strong young talent coming out of Florida. We're going to hear a lot from this young man. He also drives Siegel's wheelie wagon. Got his big payday over Wade White, the oyster farmer. Wade making the trip down to Florida. And that gets him a runner-up on day one there. And no box was won by our buddy Bug McCarty. Bug getting a win over Danielle Mockney. So again, Miss Danielle uh, was uh, my neighbor at the WFC this year. Her and her husband were up there. So good to see Danielle getting a final round under her belt. As not we mentioned, to, uh, not to interrupt Big Jed, but let's be very clear on that car that Cameron Fredrickson was driving. I believe that's Jennifer Siegel's dragster. You know what? You are 100% correct. And, uh, Don't man, get I'm yourself you, in trouble. Whew, I'm glad you corrected that. Sorry, Miss Jennifer. That is definitely her tractor, no doubt. As we mentioned, Saturday race one was won by Kenny Underwood. Kenny got the win over another very talented young driver that we're going to hear a lot about, Bryson Scruggs, coming out of that cars camp. Uh, Bryson, talented, talented young man. And no box, speaking of talented young men, Gage Birch got his name on the uh, big check there for the no box guys. And the runner-up was Vincent Dweck. Uh, obviously, the Dweck name, very familiar to folks in the Winter Series. Uh, I would have to imagine he's kin to Steve somehow, some way. Could be a Gage, son. Gage Birch, we need some sort of running total because my mental calculation has that at win number 68 for the season for gauge don't know if that's accurate i don't i don't uh, that might be an exaggeration i don't think it's an exaggeration by much we, we need a true count on that you couldn't have missed it by far luke uh, they did two races there on saturday at the Mockley. the second race was won by steve muller and steve got the win over sweet carol mccarty miss carol taking her ride to a runner-up position congratulations steve muller there no box now this was a, a tough battle right here the legend tim butler uh, takes many years of experience and knowledge to the final round against none other than the young gage birch that we just talked about getting the race one win gage comes up short here as butler is 19 dead four to gages 10 and 14 thou above um, really tough lap there and tim butler puts another big victory in his long list of accomplishments they wrapped it up on sunday luke and uh, sunday's final was quite interesting it was all galitty all the time we obviously talked about Corey quite a bit over the last several weeks but the old man looks like he come out with a win there in the final round against Corey, Chris Galitti, getting a win over his son. And uh, producer Mark told me something I didn't know. Sounds like they might have done the burnout and then swapped cars. I didn't. I, I don't really know what happened. Maybe you do, but it sounded pretty interesting. Yeah, I heard the same story. I missed the video myself, but nothing would surprise me coming out of that camp or at that facility. Like, Immokalee's a place to have a good time. So, particularly in that setting, rolling up final round, father-son, <laughs> all bets are off. Um, and the interesting side note there, we discussed this a little bit off air. I'm almost certain that as special a moment as that has to be 
for Chris and for Corey to to run your father or to run your son in the final round of a major bracket race, in this case, a $10,000 win race. I am almost certain that that is the second time that that duo has done that this season. I believe they did the exact same thing at a race in Prescott, Arkansas back in the spring, I believe with the same outcome father knows best i uh, the rumor that i heard was that there might have been a little bit of sabotage involved in this particular final round i see that Corey never made it to the finish line following a 007 light and keep in mind that that was in father chris's car don't know the whole story there maybe we'll uh, we'll have one of them on at some point in the future to uh, discuss the details but there might have been a little bit of um gamesmanship involved there <laughs> somebody might have forgot to put uh, put gas in we, we'll see how that turned out nonetheless chris did get the win over Corey, and in the no box category taylor boldry got the big payday there over vincent deweck vincent's second final round appearance in no box for the weekend so luke uh, they as you mentioned they've moved from immokalee over to palm beach for the moroso three-day championship where two of those days are in the books. As we talked about, Kenny Underwood got the win on day one there at Palm Beach over Dave Connolly. Good to see Dave. That Dave Connolly? Yeah, that same guy. Good to see Dave getting a a big final round under his belt and um, Kenny Underwood, again, getting the win over him. Day two, speaking of Dweck, this time it's Steve Dweck. Steve uh, just got the win, I think, just a little bit ago, shortly before we came on the podcast over a guy that makes a lot of noise in his low six-second door car, and that's Trey Bunner. Trey with another big final round coming up a little short to the dragster there of Steve DeWeck. And uh, day three will be competed or will be completed tomorrow, I guess, barring any weather interruptions. So two of those days in the books, and congrats to, to Skinny Kenny and Steve DeWeck. Uh, Luke, there was uh, the um, door car race at Piedmont Dragway put on by Loose Rocker. Big deal over there. Those guys had a really good turnout for that, as they always do. Piedmont Dragway was the home of that one. And Friday's 10K winner, which had to be finished Saturday morning due to some cooler temperatures, maybe a little rain, I can't remember. But that was your boy Skirt, Justin Vickers. Gets the win over Sean Carpenter there on Friday's 10K. Gertz had himself a really good year. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely going to be shout-out worthy there. Congrats to Skirt. And two guys there that I don't know get the national notoriety that they deserve, but to your point, Vickers consistently win in these big races. And Sean Carpenter, whenever I see results, specifically it seems like door car-only events, but any results from the Carolinas, that's a name that pops up a bunch as well. Yeah, and Skirt doing it in a low seven-second door car uh, small tire car and you have to be quite the driver to continue to have success not that low seven second cars can't be good but they probably just don't repeat on average quite as well as some of the faster stuff out there so you got to be a driver and skirt is definitely that very good job by him once again and sean carpenter always showing his talent on the big stage when he gets opportunity saturday's 20k was won by by the way Ohio, Pennsylvania dominated this thing. It was one, the 20K was won by Chris Bear. Uh, Chris, obviously known for taking the dragster down the lanes at a high rate of success, jumps in the door truck. I believe it was an S10. Gets went over my buddy Lou Greco. Lou and GTO uh, coming down from, uh, from Pennsylvania. 
Well, I think Lou's right on the line, Ohio, Pennsylvania. He is from PA. Producer Mark confirms that. Chris Bear from Ohio. And uh, good to see that final round from those guys with Chris taking the win. And Sunday's 10K, another guy that continues to show up. He's a top 10 name every time I'm announcing the race he's at. That is Jeff Krushinski from Shamokin, Pennsylvania, getting the win over Chris Mancini. So uh, really good turnout there for Loose Rocker. All door cars all the time. Piedmont, fine host facility. And uh, we'll talk more about some stuff coming up there this coming weekend on what's on tap. But Ohio and Pennsylvania, hard to argue with them right now, Luke. These guys, you talk about Kenny Underwood, you talk about a lot of guys, but they are showing out. The last thing that anybody from Ohio needs, Big Jed, is for you to tell them that they have the best racers in the world. Because I'm seeing that everywhere. And I'm like, I'm not even really arguing with it. Y'all are doing great. It, I'm just, that that whole narrative makes me so tired. Sorry. Like, I, I mean, I'd, I'd race at I-57 every week. We've got the best racers in the world. Like, everybody <laughs> says that. Just they're, they're, You're all good. Like, we're all good together. Maybe the guys from Ohio have won more than most this season, but come on. It don't mean that Joe Blow from Ohio is better than Joe Blow from Nevada. Get off. Oh, no, I agree. I agree 100%. And to date, I I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure Alabama has won every All-State Challenge this season. <laughs> so, you know, Alabama driver is probably the best it's ever been, but Ohio is, they're right in there somewhere, and Pennsylvania too. No kidding. A lot of talent up in there, and you guys should be very proud of uh, representing your states so well. Luke over in Jackson, South Carolina, at Jackson Dragway, they had their uh, – Carolina Dragway. Carolina Dragway. Yeah, Jackson Dragway's in Tennessee. Yes, very good point. Carolina Dragway. They had their uh, annual Big Buck event that they do always late November, early December. This year, it seemed like it moved up on the schedule just a little bit. There was a $20,000 to win race there, their biggest payday of the weekend. Joe Gary and uh, G.J. Cruz split the money. I believe that it was getting late. They had cut it up evenly, so they just decided not to run. And they gave the big check in the trophy to their retiring announcer, 55-year veteran, Mr. Dent Johnson. You've heard Dent Johnson announce there. I've heard Dent Johnson announce there. Just a wonderful guy that uh, has done a really good job over in that part of the country for a long, long time. Finally giving it up. The way that you chuckled there makes me believe, is Dent Johnson the man that called me Bogolak? <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, yes. I'm, nice. <laughs> Luke Bogolak. <laughs> Luke, need you to the lane, Luke Bogolak. It was uh, nothing like it. I mean, it was, uh, I don't know how he got that out of Bogaki, but it was awesome nonetheless. That's, that's fantastic. I, I still get that from time to time. That race at Jackson at Carolina Dragway, they've got a name for that race yet. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I think that they could rename it the Joe Gary Invitational, and no one would be able <laughs> It seems like JoJo has won that race on multiple occasions. Obviously, not technically a win this year. It's a split and quit final. But that's a guy that has had a lot of success at that facility in general. And again, unless memory is failing me, specifically at this late season event. 
Yeah, I think Joe's gotten a lot of paydays from this event, as he has a lot of other ones. A uh, really cool gesture by he and uh, G.J. Cruz to, to give the check-in trophy to, to Mr. Dent Johnson. Really neat thing they did there. So great job, guys, and congratulations. Thank you for your service on the mic, Mr. Johnson. I had a little 32-car shootout, Luke, where Josh Harper got the win over Tyler Mosley. Another couple of guys that uh, always seem to show their talent on the big stage. And the wrap-up $10,000 win Sunday race was won by Jason Wilson over one of the coolest names in bracket racing, and that is Holden Dial. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm glad that you said it, Big Jed, because you can love Jeff Krasinski all day long. Holden Dial. Holden Dial. What can you possibly name? No. A child of a racer, a cooler name than Holden Dial. The answer is no. You can't. No. Race Kid is way up there. Ooh, ooh, that is real close. That is a good one. But Holden Dial, it doesn't get any better than that unless your name is Blue Hayball. So, uh, <laughs> really great names by all you guys. That wraps up uh, the uh, the little bit of racing that we had to discuss this week. Luke, so we need to uh, pay some bills, and then we're going to come back and find out how to really say Nelson's last name. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available. Subscribe, and you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. This is Bracket Racing Elite's open enrollment period ends on December 14th. After nearly two years of keeping Elite available to anyone at any time, we're going to close our open enrollment period on the 14th. What does that mean? Uh, We won't be taking on any new members after that date. Not forever, but certainly for several months at the very least, into the spring. The idea here is to spend our time and energy more wisely. Right now, we're focused on marketing and growing our program for a brief time period. And then after December 14th, we'll turn the focus inward to make sure that we continue to provide incredible value and quality content within the community. So, If you're on the fence or have even considered joining our exclusive membership community in the past, now is the time. If you're ready to make 2019 your best season behind the wheel, visit thisisbracketracing.com today. For most racers around the country, we are approaching the off-season. What better way to use the off-season to ready for 2019 than to have a regular practice regimen? Portatree products make great gifts for racers. If you are assembling that wish list this holiday season, make sure to put Port-A-Tree on the list. From full-size trees to the practice tree that we personally use and recommend, the Eliminator Next-Gen Touchscreen Practice Tree. Port-A-Tree has all of the practice equipment that you'll need. For more information, call Port-A-Tree, 1-800-541-7613. Find them on Facebook or check out www.portatree.com. Be sure to use discount code DRAG10 for 10% off of your order.
It's time for the big interview on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. All right, as promised, we've got a young man on the phone with us that is coming off a huge victory out in Pomona. He was the Lebanon Valley Pro Points champion this year, got to Pomona to the world finals by wild card, which is really cool, made the 2,838-mile trip all the way out to Pomona and got himself the Pro World Championship Great to have Nelson Belot on the phone with us. Nelson, thanks for joining us, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Congrats on uh, a huge accomplishment, man. That's uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in a trip like that. We were talking about it off air just a little bit, and uh, very interesting that, that we want to hear all about. But to go that far from home and go out and compete with a really cool ride, by the way. We'll talk about that some, too. And get that pro race champions had to be uh, an amazing feeling. Great. That's the biggest thing I've ever won in my life. I'm sure. Yeah, I would say 99-plus percent of racers would say the same thing if they accomplished what you just did, Nelson. Walk us through a little bit, because I'm not sure that Jed gave you appropriate credit. You won the track championship at Lebanon Valley this year by a pretty wide margin, correct? Yeah, I ended up winning, I think, by like 109 points or something. Is it 10 points around? Yes, 10 points around. Nice. So not in doubt at some point. And that puts you into the Division One race of champions at the ET Finals at ATCO, correct? Yes. Which you won, which awarded you the quote-unquote wild card because Division One this season sent both the regular pro bracket finals champion and the race of champions representative, correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, want to apologize for the way we butchered your name, or I butchered it. I know I thought it might have been below or Belot, but it's Belot, so we got that straight. We know we're right there. So for those people that are listening that don't know a lot about Nelson Belot, take us through your your racing background. Tell us a little bit about your story. My father, he raced since the eighties. He always um he always had wild and wacky stuff, which is how we ended up with the Cutlass that I was driving. But um I got in a junior at twelve years old. I drove the junior from twelve to sixteen. At sixteen we built a sixty two valiant wagon. I raced that for a little bit. Then the past couple of years I raced a two chassis Mustang and um just this year I switched to that cutlass and I, I I did pretty good with it. But um I never I run it up at, in high school eliminator one bracket finals and I'd run it up in a junior bracket divisional, but this was definitely the biggest thing. Yeah, so I got to know, first and foremost, are you swapping feet or do you transbreak the cutlass? Swapping feet. I don't know how they even use a button. Yeah, that's how I like to hear right there, Nelson. <laughs> really Nelson, cool. You know you way to Big Jed's heart. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned the cutlass, arguably the coolest car that has ever won a championship anywhere in the world. That cutlass is really cool. Tell us a little bit of backstory about that hot rod. So my dad, he had a 61 Italian race car that was just a back half, just a normal 10-second car. He always wanted a chassis car, so the Oldsmobile came up for sale. He bought the Olds, got it home. We, he's friend, His best friend, the NHRA tech inspector, he showed up and he goes, what are you planning on doing with this? The chassis was junk. It was uh, Whoever put, put it together did a horrible job. So one of my dad's best friends is a fabricator. Him and my dad redid the entire chassis, and um, they built the entire car from the ground up. 
it started off as a 10-0 car, and just throughout the years, it's just gotten progressively faster. It's a big block Chevy power glide. And what were you dialed in Pomona, like 940s? Is that right? Nine, nine, 902 every pass. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it will go 860s if I opened it up. No kidding. And what's wow. the... What's the time frame on that buildup? Is that something that happened over several years or relatively? No, quickly? they built it. They built. Well, they got it back to our shop. Realized the chassis was junk, and they built it over the winter. And they built it one winter. It was a. It's basically a '66 Nova chassis with an Oldsmobile body on it. It's the same wheelbase, so we were able to get a kit and put the whole thing together. Wow, I don't know if pictures do it any justice, but that is one sharp-looking ride from the pictures, especially to be completed essentially in a in a in a winter. Oh yeah, they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Get into my favorite part because I'm I'm one. I like the numbers and I like the nuts and bolts and the the mindset that goes into everything, Nelson. Take us first through your triumph in the race of champions at Atco. Obviously, you qualify for the event on the heels of an excellent season kind of dominating the local point series at Lebanon Valley. So you're in the race of champions, I guess, had you ever been in the race of champions prior? No, I was in a race of champions one time in a junior dragster and I got packaged up first round. This was, it was the only time I was ever nervous for a round of racing was for first round of race of champions. There was one guy there that we all pointed our finger at. And we're like, all right, he's the only guy I don't want to race. So later comes, I have him first round. So, um, Long story short, I beat him, and after I beat him, I felt like he was the hardest guy in the class. So after that, everything just fell into place. I wasn't nervous or anything. Sure, sure. You care sharing a name? Um, Domino with a black Camaro from New Media. Ah, yeah. Fair enough. Big, I don't want to run that guy. Man's tough out. <laughs> no, I didn't want to run him. Any, uh, how, how many, how large was that race of champions field? We talking under sixteen um, cars? It was four rounds. I had a bye to the final. Gotcha. Any, uh, other than the opening round with Domino, any, you know, round that you kind of scraped by there or, or round that gave you? Um, I had a 8,000 pack in second round. The final, Pennington, I guess, spawned me a little bit, and I was able to sneak by him. He was the 10 on the tree. I was 30. So that were the final, really. It was the same exact thing as Pomona. Right, right. Okay, and then take us 2,800 miles across the country to the three rounds at Pomona. I guess, first off, we'll get more into the logistics of your trip uh, because that's an interesting story. Nobody, nobody, I don't, I don't, I think it's safe to say no one went further to get to Pomona. I don't think so. Yeah, then you did. Certainly not this season, but the, the race itself in Pomona, that three rounds, A, did the car do anything different out there than what you're used to at home? The car, actually, the only problem that we had going to Pomona was I, we dipped in, there was no happy medium. So the way we turned the car down is we, there, I changed the throttle, but every turn is about 600. And I, first time trial was 899 with an eight. So we had to throw weight in it. Then you can't go that, faster I than nine flat. Done, right. Gotcha. Then after that, I would have been, I, would, I think after we put the weight in, I would have been 901, close to a high 901 every single pass down the track. And you're talking a, a full turn on the throttle that's just a, a dead stop on the pedal or something? Yeah, just a spot in the linkage. Gotcha. But every turn is the 600. That's what I figured. 
Gotcha. And you're so you're chasing everyone in this field. Obviously, the the tree and the rollout came to you relatively quickly. What about the the three rounds of competition there? Anything stand out as a a difficult round or a round that that uh, gave you anxiety? You talked about being nervous for the first round of the race of champions. I can just imagine that stage on Sunday at Pomona. Did you have similar butterflies there, or was it just kind of a free roll? So I probably wouldn't have any butterflies, but the entire night there, all I heard about was how good Jake Howard was. And then we were at the banquet, and I drew Jake first round. You guys had him picked to win both classes. I was like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> so um, I'm the only, I, I wasn't nervous at all for the round and stuff. We put it next to Jake. He was really cool. So we go up there for the round. I win the lane choice. So I'm staged. He's staged. The tree's coming down, and I know I'm way high on the converter. I'm amped up. I'm ready to go. The tree's coming down. I'm thinking, I'm like, I, I got to take it. I hit the gas, and as soon as I hit it, I cringed. I, I knew it was going to come up red, and it was green. So that was, I go trucking down there, and I know it was tight. So I just cut my boot, and I was like, well, I know I crossed the tree. So they either going under, it's going to be close. And I was trip zip breaking out by two thou. That was the that was the that was the most worst run of my life. I was I was nervous for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that is uh pressure obviously we are very high on jake and uh, knew his talent well but sound like you stepped up to the challenge well no now yeah my foot slips off the break on that one <laughs> <laughs> so back to planning the trip so obviously you had a traveling mate and we'll, we'll talk about that but you, you're the wild card. You're going to go from Massachusetts to Pomona. I, I'm not sure Australia is not closer to Pomona than you are, but uh, I mean, this this is a serious trip. So tell us a little bit about the logistics and, and how you finally ended up planning for and making that trip. Well, so we won, and everyone's first question was, are you going to Pomona? And I figured it's a once-in-a-lifetime shot, so we're going. If you were going to make it there some way or the other, if I had to drive the Oldsmobile out there, I would have made it out. We um, <laughs> so we were just going to drive our junk 300,000 miles to wherever and go out there. And then a guy who races with us, Brian Hansberry, offered his motor home and his trailer. So he, so he, we had his rig, and then I'm good friends. My dad's best friend, Phil Wicker, he's a driving machine. Um, my friend, Justin Brousseau, they drove those two drove, basically drove me and my father out there on this huge rig. There really wasn't any problem planning. Everyone was on board. Yeah, so and you made the, the 2,838-mile trip. And how long did it take you, Nelson? Probably, I'm going to get probably 42 to 46 hours around there. Oh. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. It's fairly cool that it comes together as kind of a team effort. Everybody comes together and, and makes that huge journey, and that's got to make it more enjoyable and more fun, too. Yeah, so we got out there. That was the four of us. And then on Thursday, my mom and my girlfriend, a bunch of my friends all flew out. So there was like there ended up being about 14 of us total. So everyone was there for the big one and stuff. It was really cool. That's awesome. You uh, you talked a little bit about the, uh, the anxiety, the nerves, specifically for round one in Pomona. Compare that to the final round. I mean, obviously, just getting there, let's be frank, is a huge accomplishment. You know, just getting to Pomona, much less getting to the final. I'm just curious from your perspective, was it much different outlook first round from the final or final from the, the first? Only dif- the only difference from the first round to the final was I realized the mistake I made in first round, so I got up there and I was like, all right, I'm not going to creep up on the converter. So I left a little low on the converter, trying not to go red, and then 
I ended up I missed I missed it beginning missed the third even horrible but he was tripped up so it looked really bad but um that was really I learned from my mistakes from round one so I wasn't gonna go crazy pushing it like I did but I honestly was more nervous for round one than I was in the finals. Yeah, no, sure. I think that's pretty natural. What um, we talked about it a little bit on the 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 preview episode to Pomona about how just from the stands, I've witnessed that event and the atmosphere is second to none. What's it like if you can even articulate into words? I mean, we talked about nerves and things like that, but just that stage and the electricity in that place, that, that's got to be pretty cool to, to roll up and do your burnout and stage up in that moment. It was pretty cool, especially so when I first, just driving around the pit, it was awesome. Um, when we pulled in, they treated us like we were like we were the pros. It was awesome. The red carpet rolled out. They took great care of us. Just driving up to the stadium like the first time, I was like, this is cool. We're in Pomona, pulling out under the tower and stuff, pulling in the burnout box on it was a really cool experience. I really can't explain. I looked in the stands one time and I saw all the people and I was like, all right, I can't look at that again. But it was really cool to be in front of all those people and be actually able to perform. Yeah, so that's one thing that we always hear about the ET champions when they go out to Pomona is how the NHRA treats them so well. And uh, Luke and I, you know, we give NHRA a hard time when we feel like it's necessary, but we should also commend them on how they take care of the ET champions. Uh, we hear it over and over and over from people that go out there. So job well done by them. Great to see you guys get treated the way you should. So Nelson, your wind light comes on in the final round. First thing goes through your head. Uh, well, the first thing that went through my head was I didn't win this race. That guy just lost it because he was out there by a mile. Um, I First thing I thought of was that. Second thing, I was like, I got one of those gold wallies I saw at the banquet. <laughs> yeah, that, that has to feel really wonderful to, to take that little guy back with you all the way across the country. It was pretty cool, especially because we're sitting in that banquet on Thursday night, and I'm looking at all the gold wallies, and I was like, man, they're teasing me. I'm never going to have one of those. <laughs> and you got one on your first trip Where's, is there a special oh, place yeah. in the house for it so my dad um, he, he builds motors and stuff so the big joke whenever someone wins is we put the trophy on the hot tank for the week so I have the Wally on the hot tank I think I'm like, I'm like this is going to stay on the hot tank for like ever <laughs> I hear you so you are the 2018 NHRA Pro ET World Champion what's next for you Nelson um, I really haven't even thought that far. I figured everything from here is probably going to be a letdown, so I'm just kind of enjoying the moment. <laughs> <laughs> You've probably got some time to think about it up there. When does the racing season start up in your neck of the woods? Probably, I think the end of April it does. Okay, that's not much different than we're used to here. No, so uh, obviously you've accomplished something that people dream of doing their whole life. You're 21 years old, Nelson. You've done it at a very early stage in your racing career. Congratulations on that. Hopefully there's more to come for you, but I know that someone somewhere has helped you get there and accomplish what you've done. Who do you need to thank for that? My parents. Without my parents, I wouldn't be doing any of this. My, um, my dad builds the motors. He puts the cars together and stuff. I have him, but he's really the man behind everything. Um, he taught me how to raise. He taught me how things work and stuff. So without my dad, I definitely want to be able to do it. And my mom always on the sidelines. She's always cheering me on. 
Let's, uh, Nelson, let's give a shout out to, I think you mentioned everybody by name to start with, but everybody that helped you make that trip or was in oh, the motorhome with yeah, you, because that's got to be pretty cool. It was, it was, it was, me, it was my, my father, um, Phil Wicker, Justin Russo, and um, one of the main guys who helped us dial the car out there, Billy Kirkens Jr., he flew all the way out there to help us dial. Nice, that's a familiar name, Big Jed. Yes, it is. That's really, really cool. All right, so, Nelson... Uh, again, congrats on an amazing accomplishment, man. That's that's huge. We appreciate you taking some time to join us tonight. Tell us your story. Tell us about how you got there, when you got there, and, and what it was like after you got the win. We're not quite done with you. If you've heard the show, you know we kind of have something that we call rapid fire, and we want to ask you just a few questions and get your, your quick answer to them. You up for that? Uh, sure, that sounds good to me. All right. All right. You mentioned a handful of family race cars that you've driven just over the last handful of years. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be one of your cars or anything that you've even driven, but favorite race car of all time? My favorite? Um, actually, I like the um, – is it Derek Kramer's Batmobile Pro Stock? I like that. Nice, nice. Yeah, not bad. Nelson, who is the racer you idolize the most? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't think I idolize a racer the most. I think I idolize myself the most. Oh. It's a good outlook. <laughs> yeah, um, I like it. I, I'm just, I'm going out. I don't think I'm going out on much of a limb here, Nelson, but you, you're a Massachusetts resident, and I don't think you really get a choice but to be a Boston sports fan. Is that a safe assumption? Um, I'm not really a, a ball, a ball sport fan. I'm really okay. all racing. Well, then I had an awful question for you. I was going to ask your favorite sports team, but I'll just kick it to Jed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's Alabama if he's got a favorite sports team, so it's all good. Uh, Nelson, what is the next race you dream of winning? Um, I, I'd like to get any big, big money footbreak race. I'd love to have the check hanging on my trailer. Well, I know where one of those is located in July uh, at Bristol Dragway, so you're you're welcome to come on down. If you can go to Pomona, surely you can make it to Bristol. I know that's, uh, everyone, I don't travel much. Everyone's making fun of me for going all the way to Pomona. <laughs> Nelson, I don't expect you to be prepared for this last question, but I'm going to ask it in honor of my co-host because when we had Kenny Underwood on following the Million Dollar Race, <laughs> Jed ended rapid fire by asking Kenny Underwood if he could be any animal, what would he be? And I can't imagine anyone that like didn't listen to that podcast that would have a, a respectable answer for that. But I'm gonna throw it out there anyway. So any animal, what would you be? Uh, I would like to be a dog. Being usually all pretty happy. That's a really good answer. <laughs> See, that's we're, a great question hey, too. We're gonna make this a staple of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast. Everybody's getting asked that. <laughs> Nelson, awesome job, man. We appreciate you taking some time to join us tonight. We know you're driving. You said you were on the Massachusetts Turnpike from a guy uh, from Alabama. It sounds really busy. Appreciate you navigating your way down traffic and spending some time with us tonight and telling us your story. Great to get to chat with you a little bit, and congrats again on an amazing accomplishment. Thanks for having me. It's weird when I listen to you guys talk to me instead of listening to you just talk on a podcast. 
Well, we uh, nonetheless, we appreciate you uh, coming in and, and being weird with us. It was uh, awesome having you, man. And I hope we get to talk to you again somewhere down the road. Sounds good. Hopefully we get to talk again. All right. Sounds great, Nelson. Have a great night. Thank you very much, guys. In the song to do the Justin Lamb. Win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam. You do the Kevin Brandon, lay the smack across the land. Then you do the L ride and you come out like the world champ. You've been waiting all winter Big Jed, it is the long-awaited, often-anticipated return of one of our favorite segments, Racer Confidential. Mark, you might have to turn your mic on to remind the listeners where they can submit these Racer Confidential stories, because these are awesome. And as I mentioned, coming into the show, we've gotten away from them. We got busy with, you know, like actual race talk. We would like to revisit this. This is one of the funner segments of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. And what this is, for those of you that may be new listeners or don't remember the bit, is um, we're asking for uh, discreet stories. We're not naming names. We're trying to stay away from sharing places. We are protecting the uh, the innocent and the not-so-innocent, but we're telling some of your favorite stories from the racetrack in anonymous fashion. We've had some good ones in the past. I think we've got at least one good one today, Big Jed. Mark, where can our listeners submit these stories? Uh, the easiest place is uh, through our Facebook page. Uh, just send a message to the Facebook page. I, I get those and respond to those very quickly, so that's the easiest way right now. Awesome. All right. This episode's edition of Racer Confidential is presented by thisisbracketracing.com. And we threw this in, guys, because I want to put the call out. My This Is Bracket Racing elite co-instructor, Kevin Brandon, Cats KB, and myself, we will be hosting a bonus episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast sometime in the next several weeks, in which we'll do our best to tackle some of the topics facing you Uh, as racers in competition today. So if you've got a question or a topic related to on-track performance from the starting line to the finish line, car prep, performance, the mental game of high-stakes competition, anything along those lines, anything competition-related, email them to us, and we might just address it on the show. You can email me, luke at thisisbracketracing.com. Just put podcast in the subject line so that I can find them easily. We'll have some fun with that. But Big Jed... Right now, let's have some fun with Racer Confidential. You've got a good one to share with us here. Yeah, it's great to have this uh, segment back, have some time to do it, because it's always a really good time, and uh, we appreciate the submissions here. The first one that we'll talk about today that I'll discuss, and then Luke's got one as well. But this starts out and says, this Racer Confidential story involves a racer that today lays claim to several track and divisional championships, so very accomplished racer here. A few big money race victories and over a dozen Wally trophies. Hmm. We got to see many of his early race outings and knew we had the makings of a great racer. 2003 marked this racer's first attempt at competing in a season-long point series at his local track. At this time, he's competing in the sportsman class with his daily driver, a Camara capable of running near the 12-second ET limit on the quarter-mile format. At a National Dragster Challenge race where Wally trophies go to each class winner, this racer has made it to the final round to face another track regular competing in a 16-second pickup truck. Now, the pickup truck racer arrived in the stage lanes first when the subject of flipping for lane choice came up. The pickup racer says, I was in the lanes first. I get the choice. 
Well, several racers hear this statement and tell the guy in the pickup, mm, it's mandatory to flip for lanes here in a money round per track rules. So the pickup racer argues and claims he never heard of that bleeping rule. And while the assistant track manager goes to retrieve printed copy of the track rules, uh, they look at it and it once again states it's okay. To, or they state the pickup driver can take whatever lane he wants. Like I lost part of that there, but uh, so a few minutes later, they are at the ready line, and while the Camara heats his tires in the water box, and pickup driver rolls into the pre-stage beam, the Camara driver's rolling slowly towards the staging beams, and after about 30 seconds of elapsed, the pickup truck racer backs out of the pre-stage beam, puts the truck in park, and starts to open his door. The starter starting to realize what's going on, instructs both drivers to put them in the beams. Both drivers stage up without much drama, and after the four-second handicap start, both are off with green light starts. Uh, the pickup racer uh, put, a, put up a 32-pack, respectable for a footbrake 16-second truck, but the Camara driver is teen on the tree and drives a stripe right to get the win, and then the shutdown made sure the pickup driver knew who won the race. So, uh, sounds like... Um, Somebody what do you did. what do you think he meant by that, Jed? Made sure the pickup driver knew who won the race. I was going to say, sound like somebody that we know is very accomplished these days. Might have had a little salty streak in him <laughs> uh, in the beginning, and uh, maybe uh, let that driver know that um, he was messing with the wrong dude. So, giving a little chin music down there. <laughs> Could have been. Could have been. Uh, you know, your number one type stuff. Who knows? Sound like good stuff. Yeah, reading this uh, pre-show made me think of the the racer confidential story that I'm going to share momentarily. But as you read it here, it actually brought up two memories. One being with two personal memories of mine. One being I did lose the final round of the Division Four bracket finals when I was 17, 18, maybe 19 years old. I was in a race car and I lost to a 16 second Suburban driven by a dude named Chick. I don't think he was 32 package, but he he did he made a pretty good run. So that happened. That's that's a true story. <laughs> oh, we're talking about chin music. I was actually at your place, Big Jed, down at the beach. Oh um, yeah. This is years ago, and I was in a dragster, and I was running some dude in a Chevy two that I didn't know, and still I don't think know, but it had like you um, I mean all Chevy twos have what fender exit headers. But these just, just came out the fender. So it was pointing right at me in my dragster. And this thing was dialed like 740s, right? The open headers aimed right at me. And my man does his burnout and clears it out. And if he cleared it out one time, he cleared it out 35 times. And it right in my ear. And it, uh, you know the beach is not the widest facility. So this is literally right yeah. in my ear. Yeah. And, I'm like, and, it, and he's just in perfect rhythm. Para, para, para. I'm like, wow, okay. Well, it goes on probably 20 times. And I'm laughing because I'm like, man, how? I mean, I, I don't think the plugs are going to foul. You know what I mean? What is the point of what we're doing right here? <laughs> so I start going in rhythm with them. So we're just both bada, 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 right together because it's in perfect rhythm. It's easy to keep up with. <laughs> and at the problem on my end is I don't know because he can't hear me. Believe me, everybody hears the Chevy too, right? But the problem on my end is I don't know when he's going to stop. 
So I almost inadvertently give it one more bada than he does. Yes. And at that point, I get the death stare. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Now we're ready to stage and race, right? <laughs> well, as it shakes down, I made a pretty nice lap. Like This is 10 plus years ago. I don't remember the numbers, but I'm going to say I was 10, take a couple thou, and my wind light didn't come on. And that same rhythm started right back up, and it <laughs> didn't stop until I got my ticket, and he made the turnoff before I did. <laughs> So, I mean, granted, I probably uh, had that coming, but yeah, I've heard the chin music. I, I know exactly who you're talking about, and okay. he claimed carburetor trouble every time he did it to anybody else, so <laughs> I would assume he is having the same with you. <laughs> yeah, well, it happens. It happens. Okay, so the Racer Confidential story that I wanted to share, the subject is actually... Another very well-known, very accomplished racer who I will do my best to protect his identity, although I believe this specific racer is a regular podcast listener, so I want to do him justice, and I also don't think that he would give a flip if I mentioned his name, but that is not the point of Racer Confidential, so I'm going to do my best to conceal it. Okay, so said touring bracket racer is at a big dollar event in the Midwest several years ago. This is a long while back and at a time when the trend and this still happens occasionally big jed but the trend at that time very popular was racers backing through the stage beams and into the pre-stage beam right Mm -hmm. leaving the one ball on to where it was just a bump or two away from being staged touring bracket racer in question is that was his normal mo so in the uh, the big day of this race, like whatever it was, a twenty grand or a fifty grand or the the main event, the the middle day of the race, touring bracket racer is paired with Larry Local. Let's just say, okay, and Larry Local, they do their burnouts and touring bracket racer backs into the pre stage beam, and the local racer refuses to stage, like not going up there. He can't do that. He's got to back out of the beams, and to the point that they shut their cars off. And the starter's like, what's the problem? Because apparently there was no rule against, you know, backing into the pre-stage beams. But the starter walks over to, you know, touring bracket racer and says, hey, okay, let's uh, let's try that again. And so when they try it again, touring bracket racer fires his car up, turns both bulbs on, kicks it in reverse, and knocks the top light out. Or knocks the bottom light out. And so Larry Local shuts the car off again. Says, I'm not going up there until he stages, the, you know, in a forward, pre-stages in a forward motion. Like, it's, it's the way you're supposed to do it. So this goes on like two more times because every time they shut him off doing racers, like we're ready to go again. Okay. Blink, 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 knock him out, whatever. Right. <laughs> not local racers, not having it. So eventually they convince them both that like you have to roll forward in the pre-stage beam and then roll in and stage. And as it happens, Larry local wins the round. So touring racer is kind of laughing about it, right? Not that big a deal. Like hate to lose, but whatever. And and knowing full and well that that staging fiasco had little or no impact on the outcome of the round. Well, we're riding around the pits, and I just happened to be with the touring racer at the time, and we come upon this big gathering of racers in the pits. Like, well, what's, what's going on here? We roll up, and in the middle of this is Larry Local, and he is preaching, telling his story to anybody that listened. I made that, but he couldn't do his game staging, and I whipped him. And now, touring bracket racer that was pretty calm and laughing about the whole thing, I don't think it's near that funny, right? 
So he walks up in the middle of it and listens with the rest of the crowd because he's unrecognized by Larry Local. And when he gets done, Touring Racer just says, listen, man, that was cool. You won. Good job. But you know what would be impressive? If you actually went out there and did that seven more times and won this race. But seriously, what are the odds of that? (laughs) That shut him up pretty good, right? So fast forward to the next day of competition. The, the, the local racer did not end up winning the, the main event. I think that kind of goes without saying. Well, the Sunday event, they happened to get paired up again. And uh, touring bracket racer, when he sees the pairings, walks over to him and says, Hey, man, I don't want any hard feelings. I don't want to rush you. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I want you to pre-stage first, and whenever you get good and ready, because I don't want to rush you, whenever you're good and ready, you just wave your hand, and then that tells me, okay, we're ready to race, and I'm going to stage. <laughs> okay, I'll just pre-stage and stage all in one motion, but I, I don't want to do it until you're ready, because I don't want to disrupt your routine. And the local racer kind of shrugs and laughs, and they get suited up. Well, sure enough, they do their burnouts, and... Local racer was not real quick about the staging process in general, as I remember, but he finally did roll in and pre-stage. And touring bracket racer set a foot behind the pre-stage beams, staring him. And this went for a minute or two. And then finally, lo and behold, Larry Local looked over and raised his hand. Ready. <laughs> touring bracket racer staged up, and they raced. And I believe touring bracket racer won the makeup round, but that really wasn't the point of the story. It was a comical story to be a part of. Well, that was very nice of the touring pro to let Larry Local do it his way. I very important. Yeah, it shows great sportsmanship. So, um, I have no right. idea who you're talking about, but it sounds like a guy that, you know, really just trying to make friends out there. So, good job, <laughs> good job, him. So, guys, thank you for Racer Confidential, Luke. Thank you for yours. We appreciate the submission that I read. And um, want to keep those coming. You know, hopefully we're going to have more time to do these in future shows, and we need submissions from you. So send them to us right there. Message us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page, and we'll get you uh, try to get your story on and tell it the best of our ability. We appreciate again those of you that have already made some submissions. So Luke, let's uh, tell them what's on tap next, honey. Where are we racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's What's on Tap! All right, Luke. Not much racing left on tap these late episodes in the year, but we do have uh, our Thanksgiving traditions coming up this weekend. We'll start out by talking about the ATI Fall Footbreak Frenzy number 10. Now, this is the famous 20 grander. A footbreak event at Piedmont Dragway, Loose Rocker Promotions, putting this on. This is their 10th event, but this event's been going for uh, several more years than that. It actually tried to die, and they resurrected it, and they have increased the purse just like they did in their door car race this past weekend. It is now a 10, 20, and 10 uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for $380, which was the same that you paid for a 5, 20, and 5 last year and several previous years so guys just up the purse as a way to say thank you to the racers 
tremendous footbrake race, uh, very important on the footbrake landscape, and a lot of people will be making their way to Piedmont Dragway this weekend to swap some feet in a legendary event at a great facility. So good luck to everybody that's going there. Ed, may I remind the listener, and correct me if I'm wrong here, one host of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast has taken the podium on the main event of that event, and it is not me. <laughs> seems, seems like a long, long time ago. It really is a long time ago. It was 2007, and I did get the 20 grander there. Runnered up the 10 the next day. A lot of people don't remember that. If it wasn't for that pesky Adam Davis, I would have had a dream weekend for sure. Would have got a 20 and a 10 in the same weekend. But that was when I could swap feet. Those days are long gone, but uh, I still remember it well, and it was still something that uh, I am very, very proud of, even way back when. Uh, more footbrake action is down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, State Capitol Raceway, the Footbrake Turkey Day 10 Granders. That is being put on by Poo Poo Pasquale. Of course, that is a fake name, but uh, uh, Stuart Olin, and he has uh, got a great event down there. It's 10 grand for footbrake, 5 grand for Super Pro. And uh, they run Friday for uh, three grand, I think, in footbrake class. So some good racing down there for the footbreakers and the super pro guys. And I imagine temperatures be really nice down in south Louisiana this time of year. The- Did you just say temperatures be really nice in Louisiana? <laughs> yeah. Does that, yeah. Were you just trying to slide that in like nobody catch it? No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess, but not really. <laughs> it sounded like some Cajun talk, Big Did. That, yeah, that's did good. I, talk? I mean, well, you I've fit been, right in, right? Well, I've been listening to Poo Poo Pasquale talk about the race, so that's uh, sometimes I guess I talk like the promoter a little bit because that's how he talked down there. It's going to be a good race down there in Louis- <laughs> South Louisiana. <laughs> was that Coach Ogeron or was that Poo Poo? I don't know. <laughs> going to be a good race and old Poo Poo's race. I've been knowing him for years. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they're going to have some jambalaya too. So get on down there if you're in that part of the country. Enjoy some great racing. The Thanksgiving Bracket Nationals, which is a tradition at Beach Bend Raceway there in Bowling Green. That's three tens up for grabs in the Super Pro category. See how that works out for those guys. Uh, Huntsville Engine Turkey Two-Day Race at Huntsville Dragway is where I will be. That's Saturday, Sunday, only 15000 per day, hitting the top bulb there. Looking forward to easing up to Huntsville and having a good time this weekend. And for you junior racers, the Holiday Junior Jam at Rockingham Dragway. We'll be in Rockingham, North Carolina. It's $5,000 to win main event with index and specialty races surround it 200 gets you into all five races we got pro tree race golf cart parents races friday gamblers all kind of stuff junior dragster racers get to rockingham dragway and enjoy the holiday junior jam yeah not to be left out i don't want to exclude our uh, left coast listeners the annual thanksgiving day event at uh, lvms the at Las Vegas Motor Speedway that's also going on this weekend we'll be sure to recap that in some regard on next week's show as well yeah I have seen on Facebook where some of our West Coast friends are traveling to LVMS so good luck to each and all of you guys that's a a big event out there especially on Thanksgiving here we're getting a lot of uh, attendance from around the West Coast so good luck guys and Luke that wraps us up. It's been a fun show. We, we interacted well. You and I got along really good. This was a pretty rare 
occasion. I liked it, enjoyed it, but we're done. This episode. Do we not normally get along very good? Oh, I think uh, I was just trying to create some controversy, maybe get somebody to think that maybe you and I don't like each other or something. And I think that'd make more people listen. But I, I didn't realize there was beef, but if you want there to be beef, we'll have beef. Well, it is basketball season. And <laughs> you got your team, I got mine, and I was bragging about Alabama winning all state challenge and all that. So. Neither of our teams are likely to make the NCAA tournament, so no one cares. Or any tournament. <laughs> let my team in the SEC tournament. They're so bad. We'll see. But we're done. This is episode okay. number 104, and it's over. Almost. <laughs> I want to say thanks to our great sponsors, uh, BTE, fine folks there at BTE supporting us. We appreciate those guys. This is Bracket Racing Elite. Those are the finest people around at This is Bracket Racing Elite. Love those guys. And uh, Porta Tree definitely want you to up your winter practice regimen and get with the folks at Porta Tree. And don't forget that discount code DRAG10. Get you 10% off your order. So get to Porta Tree and order up your goodies for the Christmas uh, holiday season. And uh, I want to thank Nelson Belot. Our guest this week, the uh, 2018 NHRA Pro ET World Champion. Great to have Nelson on the show with us. Luke, how about some shout-outs? I thought you'd never ask. Anytime that Skirt wins, we got a shout-out Skirt. My, one of my favorite nicknames in all of drag racing. That actually brings to mind, I'll just shout-out Hannah Blevins, Bubblegum, because I like that too. That's a good nickname. And... How have we not gotten clarity on this to this point? Like, have oh, I missed it? Come on, Hannah. Let's just put it out there one more time. If anyone has clarity as to how Hannah Blevins earned her nickname, Bubblegum, or uh, how uh, Justin Vickers earned his nickname, Skirt, we would love to hear it. That, that's the thing that, that the people want to know. Whether or not we can share them, we would love to hear it. And maybe, Jed, as I think about this a little bit further, maybe the truth is that no one gets this far into the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast, and they haven't heard us <laughs> ask for these. So if you know how either of these nicknames came about, let us know. Shout out to Galettis and uh, Corey and Chris and gamesmanship or whatever happened in that final. It might be the big dark secret. Um, shout out to Gage Birch and his 92 victories this season. Shout out to Jeff Krasinski. I, I stumbled on that earlier, and I know it's one of your favorites. And to Shemokin, Pennsylvania. And I oh, yeah. realize, Big Jed, if you're looking at the sheet, I strongly doubt that I spelled that right. But I spelled it like I wanted to say it because I thought Close I would get how to say it. Shout out to Dent Johnson and to Bogolak. <laughs> Shout out to Nelson Below, Nelson Balot, and most importantly, Nelson Belot. Nelson, thank you for coming on the show with us. Shout out to keeping your boot in it. I think that might have got missed in that interview, but that was definitely my favorite part of it when he decided to keep his boot in it. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Jed. You mentioned the Massachusetts Turnpike, but that is not where Nelson described to us that he was at, he was on the Mass Pike. So That's shout right. out to the Mass Pike. Shout out to that bleeping rule from Racer Confidential. That was one of my <laughs> parts. I'll shout out the Touring Pro as well as Larry Local. And of course, we'll close this out with a shout out to Poo Poo Pasquale. <laughs> awesome, legendary shout out list right there. Great job by you, Luke. Guys, be sure to tell us what you think messages right there on the sportsman drag racing podcast facebook page or you can at either luke or myself right there on twitter luke is at luke bogacki 
B-O-G-A-C-K-I, that's not Bogalak, and I am at JP11X. We thank you for listening, and we hope to come back and talk to you about more racing next week. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get in it. Attitude like I am already winning it. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.